Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Reb T, the Pirkei Avos Learning, the show where we talk a Mishnah of Pirkei Avos per day with sagely commentary and practical advice to say. We are in season four. With the help of the wonderful commentary of Benu Yona, we're looking at Chapter 3, Mishnah 13, Gimel Yud Gimel, PSA FYI coming up very soon, a week and a half or so. We're going to be taking our nice winter hiatus because we'll be halfway through the PAL for this season, halfway through Pirkei Elvis, stopping at Chapter 3, and then we'll come back, God willing, and Mirta Shembley Neder for 4, 5, 6. Then, God willing, we'll go through a little bit and take our second hiatus, usually around springtime. And God willing, come to the end of the year. God willing, so stay with us. FYI, PSA. Also, this mission has a long commentary, a wonderful commentary. It might be a little longer than the 10 minutes that we try to do. We need you here, so stay with us. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, vikalas rosh. Laughter and frivolity, margil and erva, cause someone to immorality. It's good to have a sense of humor. It's good to have laughter in your life, but it has to be the right type of humor. It has to be the right type of laughter. We have a whole lecture about this on the lecture series with Reb Team, where we talk about the rumor of humor, how to really use humor, what type of humor is good, how we should involve laughter and humor in our lives, but it has to be in the right way. In Kalos Rosh, lightheadedness is not good, especially when involved in Torah and mitzvahs, especially when involved in tefillah. We have to have the right head. We have to have the right outlook. We have to have the right way of looking at things and being involved in things, they have to make sure we're doing it in the right way. Lightheadedness is not good when it's involved in Torah mitzvahs. In general, it's good to not think to think take things way too seriously. It's good to, to laugh at life and its difficulties, not in an in a immature way, but in a mature way, understanding that this is just a passageway to the next world. But we're involved in real mitzvahs and real chesed and Torah don't have the lightheadedness that could lead to not good things. Masoris Siagla Torah. The tradition is a fence protecting the Torah. The idea of the Torah Shabal Peh, which different sects throughout Judaism history didn't always adhere to, was not good because the Torah Shabal Peh is a wonderful, wonderful way to protect the Torah. The rabbis are not trying to hurt us, they're trying to protect us. Just as a fence protects around the property, around a roof, around an area, so too the, the, the Torah Shabal Peh, the Talmud, the Mishnah, all those commentaries are a way to protect us and to help us and to bring us to the words of the written Torah, even though the Torah of Shabbat Peh was transmitted orally, also ended up being written down. That's a good siyag. That's a good fence. It's good to have fences for different things in life to keep you reined in, to keep the boundaries, to keep you protected. Maestro siyag Osher. Tithes are a fence protecting wolf. They say, why does it say aser to aser in the Torah? When Hashem says to give maaser, why does it say aser to aser? It should just say aser, take maaser, take tithes. But the homiletic explanation that the sages, I believe, explain says aser bishvil to aser. Tithe in order to become wealthy. They say that giving charity, giving tithes is the only place on earth, the only place in your life that you're technically allowed to test God, quote-unquote, in some ways. You're allowed to say, God, I gave my charity. I need you to make sure that I have enough money for myself. That's why I always say money comes and goes, but happiness, taking care of others, doing chesed, doing mitzvahs, and giving tzedakah is not going to hurt you. Hashem will get you back. If you're taking care of Shabbos, you're taking care of Yom Tov, you're taking care of others with giving tzedakah, you're making yourself go to, go to do more mitzvahs and be involved in more chesed, cooking for others, 
giving to others, sending your kids to Jewish school, these are all things we have to do, should do. Do more of it. Hashem will get you back. If you're doing things, you're a charitable person, you're a generous person. Hashem is the most generous being ever, ever was, ever will be, and ever is, and is the only one that's in control of everything. So He'll get it back to you. He'll take care of you. Giving tithes is a way to make sure that we get wealthy, wealthy in mitzvahs, wealthy in life, and wealthy physically material. Hashem will get you back. Vows are a fence protecting separation. In general, nowadays that we're not supposed to take Nadar, we're not supposed to take vows in general, but throughout history, in times of Gemara, and in general, you think of Shimshon, you think of Shmuel, they did these things for their own holy net level, their own holy way to abstain from wine, to abstain from grapes, and not cutting the hair. They say that's why Nazir and Sot are next to each other in the, in the, in the, in the Torah and in the Talmud, why the topics are juxtaposed, because someone that saw the disgrace of the Sot should realize what to avoid, should realize wine is a very bad news, very bad thing, could lead to very bad things between people. And caring too much about appearance, too much about grooming also could lead to not good things. You think about Yosef who would take care and look at his mirror and, and comb his hair while his father was mourning. Hashem says, I'm going to set the bear upon you. I'm going to set Potiphar's wife against you because he was too involved in physicality. I believe Rashi in the Medrash points out. Too involved in those things. Make sure to abstain from those things. You don't have to take a nether, but think to yourself, what can I do to avoid these things that, that'll make sure I don't get involved in any of these not great things? Siag lechach mashtika. Interesting how the wordage, the verbiage of the Mishnah was switched around. Instead of siag to this, we say siag to this is this. Really, it says this is a siag to this. This is offense to this. But in general, in the end, we switch it around and we say offense to this is this. Interesting. Siag lechach mashtika. The fence that protects wisdom is silence. Better to be thought a fool by being silent than to open your mouth and prove that it is so. I don't remember where that quote comes from. I know it's something related to the Chavitz Chaim. Shemir Salashan, how important it is to guard our tongue, guard our mouth, the only organ in our entire body that has three layers of defense, three layers of protection from talking. We have the tongue, the teeth, and the mouth. Why do we need three? Because we should think three times before we speak. The ears, we could try to close our ears with our, with our fingers. We could try to close our, our noses with our fingers. We could try to close our eyes with our lids. But the actual mouth needs three layers of protection because speech is so damaging, so destructive and devastating that we need to really think about what we're talking about. Watch out for Lashon Haramotzi Shemar Rechilas. You don't want to spread rumors. You don't want to spread... <laughs> excuse me. You don't want to send and spread a bad name about people. You don't want to spend bad spread bad speech. That's what caused the base of English, which starts with words, starts with accusations and, and improper interactions. The way we can maybe fix that to bring back the base of English is Ahavat Chinam and Lashon Tov, not Lashon Hard, talking good about others, baselessly loving others, not even needing reasons to love everyone around us. So be careful with how you talk. You want to keep talking in a good way, then do it for good things. But for chachma, for wisdom, the best thing is silence. The best thing is to keep quiet. Even when someone tries to irk you, tries to upset you, it's better to stay silent. They want to get a rise out of you. They want to upset you. The best thing is to stay calm. Or if you need to respond, respond in a calm, soft-spoken manner or not to respond at all. You think of horrible bosses, horrible administrators, horrible superiors. The best way to get back when they're trying to berate you, trying to down you is to just not respond or to respond in a very soft, calm way, which is the opposite of what they want from you. So Rabbi Yonah points out, 
a long, a long commentary, but a beautiful commentary nonetheless. So stay with us. Rabbi Akiva says, laughter and frivolity bring immorality. This means laughter and foolish words with frivolity accustom man to immorality. Solemnity and fear of God are fences that guard against immorality. The entire Mishnah speaks about such fences. Tradition protects Torah. This refers to the traditions our sages passed on to their students concerning extra letters and missing letters in the Torah scroll and the intonations and tune used to read from it. That's like the... The trup, we call it, when reading the Parsha of the week. Different ways that we learn when we're bar mitzvah, when we're reading from the Torah. These have different elements to them and the way to read from the Torah. These traditions are a fence that protect the written Torah because they ensure that there are only very few contradictions in the text of different copies. This is not the case with copies of the Talmud where there are many alternative texts. What is more, new novellas originate every day. Some scholars feel justified in amending the text of the Talmud and keeping with their understanding of it. They give themselves license to do so because every book in the world has errors. Therefore, these people assume that the error must be with the text rather than with their understanding of it. Ties are a fence protecting wealth. We talked about how important it is to give tzedakah, how important it is to give charity, how important it is to be involved in charitable acts and charitable deeds, being involved in a charitable nature, to be generous. The impact of generosity, the impact of giving to others, Doing for others is so important. In Tanis, our stages relate an incident concerning a child who was learning the verse, he shall completely tithe aser to aser. Devarim points out, Rabbi Yochanan said to him, this means separate tithes in order that you should become wealthy, which we mentioned before, aser b'shvil to aser. Child said to him, is it permitted to test God in such a manner? The Torah says, do not test the Lord your God. Elsewhere in Devarim, Rabbi Yochanan replied, this is Rabbi Hoshea said, this is an exception to the rule, as we mentioned before, as it says, bring all the tithes to the temple storehouse, that there should be food in my house. Please test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I do not open for you the windows of the heavens and pour upon you endless blessing. From Malachi. Concerning this phenomenon, this Mishnah says tithes are a fence protecting wealth. One who wishes to become wealthy should give his tithes with good grace. He should not say, Of the thousand bales that I have, how can I give a hundred as tithes? Those bales are worth so much. He should instead give the required amount graciously because God can be trusted to repay what he has given. In fact, multiplying is a reward. This principle has been proven true by experience. We talk about many times on all the different shows, we are really just an estate manager. We are like an executor of a will, executor of a state. Hashem gives us the money to give out to others, we shouldn't hold on to it. We should think of it that we're the officer overseeing the assets, making sure it should go to the right places. Don't worry about how much you're giving, how much you're giving. That's the only thing that's really left with you after 120 years is what you gave to others. Giving charity is the same as separating tithes. Giving more charity increases your wealth. No one ever went broke by giving charity in reasonable measures, even a little bit more. Lefnei Meshur Sadin of reasonable measures. Giving a ninth instead of a tenth. Your heart should not restrain you from giving lavish gifts to the poor for fear of diminishing your assets and leaving yourself lacking. You should realize that giving charity makes you deserving of wealth. A very wealthy person who does give graciously, although not in keeping with the extent of his wealth, should not think that he will be judged free of guilt. He may be plagued by improper thoughts. Look how much money I have distributed to charity. Look how many souls I have saved from death by starvation. 
He doesn't realize a poor person who gives of his meager assets is better than a wealthy man who gives significant amounts that are still less than he should be giving. The principle is also by tithes. If the poor owner of only a single measure of grain gives his 10% properly with good grace, he has fulfilled his obligation. The wealthy owner of 2,000 measures who gives only 199 as tithes and not 200 is guilty still owes the missing amount. The same is true of charity. Every individual must keep in giving, must give in keeping with what he has, whether much or little. Vows are a fence for separation. Precious, literally separation is very lofty spiritual level with many preliminary levels preceding it. Our sages said cleanliness leads, leads to separation from Avodah Zarah Gemara. This means separating oneself from all worldly pressures, even those that are permitted like eating, drinking, and different things like that. The same is true of all other desires as well, like avoiding honor, power, wealth, and the like. Separating oneself from the roots of materialism and the physical body, coming close to the soul and its essence, its spiritual essence, brings man close to the service of Hashem. How is separation practiced in relation to food? By eating only small sufficient amounts to live on, like the Rambam says, eat to satiation, not to gluttony. Preserving health and strength in order to learn a great deal of Torah and do many mitzvahs. In relation to drinking, it means drinking only enough to quench one's thirst, not becoming drunk and losing control. And in general, do things that are mitzvahs, not just because they're enjoyable and pleasurable. Do things in the right way to gain pleasure from the world in the right way. Separation also is beneficial, keeps man away from sin. When the evil inclination overpowers him and craves a sin, he wants to sin, he says, should say, I have seen even from permitted pleasures, how can I possibly commit this terrible sin? This would make me a sinner before my Father in heaven for the rest of my life. And that is based on Yehuda's statement to Yaakov in Beratius. This thought will prevent him from falling. However, if one comes close to material nature and is attracted to its pleasures, even if he does not actually transgress, he moves further away from the spiritual essence. His will, he will also cause his soul to be drawn to physicality and materialism, tearing it away from its root and essence. Because it will say, as it says, immorality, wine, and fresh wine take the heart from Hosea. This means immorality and drinking will take over man's heart, in other words, his intelligence. And that's what we find by one who listens to rebuke acquires a heart from Mishlei. With this in mind, the Mishnah offers advice to one who is unable to control himself and is attracted to pleasure. He should make a vow for a short period of time. Again, nowadays in the Dharma, not really recommended. Limiting himself to a specific, specified amount of food and drink for a specified period of time or forbidding himself from a permitted behavior. Habit will take over, so by fulfilling his vow, he will train himself to overcome urges. This will help him to acquire the trait of separation. And one who eats in a good way and be, is involved in a good way will come about to live life in a good way. But again, it's not good to frequently make, make vows. You should be in control of yourself and understand what to do for yourself. Figure out how to find your own personal offenses. Think about it like a physician treating a patient. When he sees an illness is mild and easily cured, he prescribes mild medication. When, it, when the illness is serious, he needs to have strong drugs until the patient is cured. Afterwards, he goes in a more milder way. That's why the Mishnah says it's a fence protecting separation. It doesn't say oaths are a fence, but it's talking about the Nadarmar offense because it's it's starting in a way, it's talking about a fence, talking about how to get things away in an immediate way. An oath forbids things immediately, but a, but a Nedar, the vow, does it in a different way to make it a real fence. A vow entails saying, if I eat more than a certain amount, 
then all the fruits in the world will be forbidden. It doesn't take effect unless the terms have been fulfilled. This type of restraining is called offense because the item itself doesn't become permitted. It's permitted to make such a vow of your intention for the sake of heaven, but again, not so good in general to make vows. Fence that protects wisdom is silence. This fence is beneficial in developing both the meadows of the wise and wisdom itself. A fence is to keep the person away even from something that is permitted. Mechanism and oath makes the item forbidden, whereas a vow creates penalties for its transgression without directly forbidding it. But it's good to know that the midos of the wise and wisdom is what is involved with silence. How does it help foster the midos of the wise? If you remain silent, you will not interrupt others, will not say that you're knowledgeable about matters which you are ignorant. Even though these behaviors are not actually part of the meat of silence, silence will cultivate them. It's beneficial for wisdom because if you remain silent, it follows that you will not speak before those who are wiser than you. If you are learning from your teacher and think of an idea, you should not immediately assume it's correct. Do not hurry to blurt it out. Crush it under your tongue until your teacher finishes speaking. Otherwise, you'll miss what he's saying. You'll not receive instruction about the reasoning of the earlier sages. Your heart will be too caught up in your eagerness to express your own theory. Also, possibly your theory will not be that accurate until you have heard the opinions of the early authorities. Then you can weigh them and work out which is correct. This is why silence is a fence for wisdom on behalf of a student learning from a teacher. He thinks of an idea while the teacher speaking but holds his tongue until he's finished keeping his own idea engraved in his mind till the lessons completing understands his teacher's words only then will his line of reasoning become clear and accurate that's what Shalom Malch said a fool does not desire wisdom rather to reveal what is on his mind so again to think about fences in general are good in life the Torah Shabbat Peh is a fence for us for the Torah, understanding that the rabbis are trying to protect us and protect ourselves, just as a fence protects our materialism. Lahavdil, Lahavdil, spirituality could be protected as well. And make sure to understand that different fences are there to help us, separating from the things that are not good in this world, making sure to be having the silence involved, making sure to be involved and in, in understanding that the giving the wealth is really the best way of, of becoming rich in all senses of the word. Understanding how to protect things and understanding what's really the proper things in this world and understanding that offense is really great and watch out for laughter and frivolity you have to use the right type of humor and use the right type of fences every day within your life join us next time as we talk about beloved is man here on the pal with reb t and i'm your host reb t